You're listening to the teaching of Doxa Church. Doxa is located in Spartanburg, South Carolina, and our mission is to glorify God through the fulfillment of the Great Commission. Take your Bible with me and turn to John chapter 10. So we're in a series right now called I Am, and we're working through this Gospel of John, and there is actually seven different times where Jesus gives a declarative, sometimes an exclamatory statement about who he is and his true character. That's what we're discovering today. And the more we see Jesus, the more we see the true Jesus, the more we will respond in love and the more we will worship him. And that's what life is all about, right? That's, where, that's why we are gathered here today. So this morning, we're in John 10, and the title of the message is going to be The Exclusive Invitation to Freedom. Now, I don't usually start a message out by just giving you the title right off the bat. Um, so either I really like the title this morning, or the title perfectly sums up where we are going in this passage. And if you know me, hopefully you realize the correct answer. Um, this is not one of those passages where I'm trying to drum up some, some need and some urgency. Truly, what we're going to see in John 10 here, there is no, uh, there's, there's no clickbait about this at all. This is the real deal. What Jesus is offering us is an exclusive invitation to freedom. And as I deliver this message, it's my job to teach you exactly what Jesus is saying and the point of the text. And then it's your job to listen to that, to listen to the Holy Spirit speak to you about this truth and make sure it lines up. So the exclusive invitation to freedom, who wouldn't want that? That in and of itself sounds great. Usually when we think of an invitation, we're thinking of a party or a wedding. And funny, funny uh, thing is that our life with Jesus Christ, this invitation does lead to the wedding feast, the marriage supper of the Lamb in the book of Revelation. But when you hear the word exclusive, some people immediately just rule themselves out. Like, oh no. That's not for me. I never, I never get invited to the exclusive club. And if you're feeling that way, because that's just kind of the story of your life, I have some really, really good news for you. We're going to see this morning that the exclusivity of Jesus is not based on you or anything that you do at all. The exclusivity piece of this invitation has nothing to do with you, and it's solely about the inviter, Jesus Christ. Jesus is a different kind of, this is a different kind of exclusivity because it revolves around him and not us. So the only way to get to this, this party that Jesus is going to be talking about in this, in this story is through Jesus. Jesus is going to say here in John 10 that I am the door. And the beautiful good news about this is that everyone is invited. 
the weary, the restless, the outcasts, every man, woman, and child throughout history, all over the globe, they have all been invited by Jesus. But not only are we going to get this exclusive invitation, we are also going to see what this invitation holds in this passage, and we're going to see how it is different from every other experience that you can have in this world. So as good as the title sounds, this is not overhyped. This is the real deal coming straight from the mouth of Jesus, and there's a lot of good news coming, but it all begins with the warning. So would you look at with me, look with me in John 10, and let's read verses 1 through 10, and we will first of all see a very big warning. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. This figure of speech Jesus used with them but they did not understand what he was saying to them. So Jesus again said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Point number one today is heed the warning of exclusivity. I talked a lot about this already. I already told you this was a good kind of exclusivity. And the reason why is because it's about getting into the party. It's not about keeping you out of the party. This is an invitation to come in. And what Jesus is calling this invitation, he's calling this party the abundant life. It's not fun to be left out of the exclusive club. And um, that's not the kind of exclusivity we have here. There is one person handing out the invitations, and you can't get them from anyone else. But at the same time, people have problems with this. People have problems with this because there's not multiple doors. There's only one controlled access point. And that's not me saying this. This isn't just you know, what some people would say is Christian snobbery or self-conceit. And I've heard the inclusive people of the world say that. How dare Christians say Jesus is the only way to eternal life or to the abundant life? Look at verses 1 through 5 again. Just, just pay close attention here. Truly, truly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door but climbs in by another way, that man is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. A stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. So if you are a, 
a child of God, you can recognize his voice. If you're not in the light and you're still in darkness, you are going to be lost and you're not going to be able to see the difference. Now, this matches step for step with another I am statement that we already covered earlier in the series. John 14, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but through me. And this is the consistent message of the church from day one. In Acts chapter 4, when the church was just getting started, Peter expounded in Acts 4.12, and there is salvation in no one else, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So why are we spending so much time on this? It's because this is a truth that is absolutely under attack. And I have heard people who even claim to be followers of Jesus start waffling on this even recently. But you cannot miss this. So let's just bring this into the real world, right? Away from theology for a second, into your real life. Let's say um, you're having a meal with your neighbor, all right? You know, it's, it's the off night of life group, so it's a good chance to, like, have somebody over. Your life is so, like, structured and routine and simple that you can just easily plug and play. All right, great, we're going to have our neighbor over for dinner. It's that easy, right? <laughs> joking, joking, like, uh, don't feel bad if this isn't you. Let's be a little more realistic. Life, can ha- life happens, it gets nuts. So let's say uh, it's Saturday afternoon, and the only time you and your neighbor can both rake the leaves is Saturday afternoon, and you see your neighbor out there. So you haven't had him over for dinner, but you're having a conversation with your neighbor. And this topic comes up, the exclusivity of Jesus Christ. And, let's, and this, could, this conversation could happen anywhere, right? This could happen in a coffee shop. This could happen in the classroom at school. Um, as you're studying, wherever this conversation comes up, somebody brings up this objection. I just don't like how Jesus claims to be the only way. doesn't feel right to me. Like, so you're saying that these people who've never heard the name of Jesus, you've heard this, right? Here we go. The classic, the classic problem that people have. I just don't think God would be so limited He loves people, and it doesn't really seem to fit my view of God. That's a very common theme out there. Anyone heard of this? Have we all had this conversation before? So what's the answer? Well, the Bible says so, so you're wrong. No, no. It's not going to go well. Please don't, please, don't, please don't say it that way. We have to be loving. We have to be gentle. We have to be respectful. So we have to have a conversation. We always have to use scripture to interpret scripture. The reason Jesus is the only way, and and we're we're stepping a little bit away from the text here for for a reason. We're going to come back to John 10. But Jesus Jesus is the door. The reason Jesus is the door and there's no other doors is why? Jesus is the only one who's, who's sinless. Everyone else out there has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And God is holy. God is righteous. You cannot gain access to the Father, live with the Father, be in fellowship with the Father with you bringing in all your own junk. So we have sinned. There's a broken divide. And that, we sing about that, that chasm has to be bridged The gap is only bridged by Jesus Christ because he lived a sinless life. Now, 
I'm giving you the theology behind it, but that's what we have to communicate to people. We have sinned. Jesus never sinned. And because Jesus never sinned, and Jesus voluntarily laid down his life, sacrificed himself on the cross, rose again, conquered sin and death, came back to life, he is the one who can save. Because he is the only substitutionary atonement figure out there. It's Jesus Christ, the God-man. Now, there's another takeaway from verses 1 through 6. So now let's keep moving. There's your theology section for, for this morning. Let's keep moving through verses 1 through 6. You have these strangers that climb in another way. So the next piece is of this whole thing is these strangers that are interfering with the sheepfold of Christ. What's that all about? This is where we're going to meet our first character of the story. The thief is another name for him. Notice this person infiltrates the sheep pen, but the sheep, the true sheep, do not recognize his voice according to this text. So who is Jesus talking about here? Well, you go back to the context. I mean, we've, we've, we were in John 8 last week. We've read some John 8 already. Um, Jesus has been dealing with the Pharisees as, as of late. The Pharisees are actually very upset right now, very upset that Jesus dared to heal a man who was born blind on the Sabbath. How dare you break the Sabbath code? So you have these religious leaders who are stifling the people, who are oppressing the people. These are the people that Jesus is talking to, and this is why Jesus is bringing up this whole illusion and this whole story, okay? So the context can help you out, right? Can you, can you say it with me? Who, who is this thief who infiltrates the sheep pen. Who is it? Pharisees. Are there still Pharisees to this day? Well, of course there are in, in Israel, but there are also Pharisees in the American church to this day. It's, it's a human sin nature problem that isn't just the American church's problem. It's not just the Israel, Israelites in the first century's problem. This is this is mankind throughout history. We have this problem where we like to form, make things formulaic. We like, to, we like to get the badges and the ribbons and the awards and pat ourselves on the back. And we like to look down at other people who aren't doing it the way we're doing it. It's always been that way. And the church still struggles with this to this day. And this is what Jesus is confronting in this passage. This is the main point. He is telling this story because of the Pharisees. They are false shepherds, and we still have those people interfering with the sheep. Now, verse 6 says that no one understands what Jesus is even talking about. <laughs> Jesus, this, he, this happens all the time in the Gospels, right? Like, I mean, we have the the privilege of having the Holy Spirit like help us interpret this and we can read this and we can study this. In the moment, don't look too hard, harshly on these people, but they're just confused, okay? I, I probably would be too. You probably would be too. We're, we're, they're not quite step for, for step with Jesus. Um, so what Jesus does here is he expands this illustration and he starts spelling it out even more clearly. And I want you to understand something. In the Gospels, when Jesus is speaking in parables, 
they can get really, really clunky really fast if you take everything too literally and you take things too far. So this is, this is another side point, but when you're in the Gospels and you're looking at Jesus sharing a story, an illustration, remember, don't make it too literal because you can actually find yourself into a heretical position pretty fast if everything has to represent something. Find out what the main point that Jesus is teaching is, and usually there's one or two characters in that story that represents something, but not everything is an airtight, is airtight, okay? Correlation. So this is why I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give you um, you know all the different theories on all the non-living characters in this story. I mean, who is who is this gatekeeper? You know, like there's three different theories out there. Like, is it the Holy Spirit? Maybe, but we're not gonna get sidetracked and bogged down by that. We're gonna keep the main thing the main thing. All right. So Jesus is expanding this story. That's very key because he's trying to explain something that the other person is not getting. And the nucleus of the story is staying the same, but he's going to add another element to it. He does this in verses 7 through 10, and he's going to actually do it again in verses 11 through 20, where we'll be next week, okay? All of these things are mixed in together. They all, they all are, are a cohesive unit, but they're not standalone. Do you understand that? Do it make sense? Jesus is now expanding the story. Verses 11 through 21, they are connected, but it will get weird if you don't understand that this conversation is flowing and Jesus is expanding the picture. So here's part two. Look at verses seven through 10 again with me. So Jesus again said to them, truly, truly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and he will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So point two here, now that Jesus is expanding this, is accept the invitation to life. All right, we already took heed of the warning, the exclusive warning. There's only one way. Now he wants you to accept the invitation to life. And here's where Jesus is elaborating more on the thief the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, the one who came before the good shepherd. We already saw that the sheep don't recognize his voice, but it says something else about them in verses 12 through 14, which is the passage for next week. But I want you to go ahead and look at that because it's, it all connects. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he's a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own know me. So there's a huge contrast here between the good shepherd, Jesus Christ, and the false teacher, the false shepherd, who doesn't really love the people. They're in it for a whole bunch of other reasons. But these are the, these, this is the same person, this thief, this robber who enters the other way, the hired hand. It's all of the same person. Jesus is teaching about a false teacher that you need to take heed of and you need to be on the lookout for. Now, for the relevant personal application of this. I basically just said it. But there are spiritual leaders who want to control you 
and they want to zap the, the fun of life right out of you. That, that is a threat. You know, you could, you could call this the fullness of what God has intended for you, the abundant life. There are people who are going to get in your way of experiencing that. And they weren't just Pharisees who had really fancy clothes and long beards. They don't all look like that. Sometimes these people are in the church. Sometimes these people have a YouTube channel. Sometimes these people have a podcast. But they are Christian thinkers, Christian influencers that really like to listen to themselves talk. They have all the answers. Listen up to me. But they're not the voice of Jesus. Jesus Christ offers something far superior. Pharisees are anyone to this day who put themselves on a pedestal. They use people. They enjoy their power to control people. They're the kind of person who feels really good about themselves at the expense of others. And that is the warning. Watch out for those people. And here's the invitation to accept the life that God has for you. The words that Jesus uses to describe these people are fake shepherds. It's very telling. He calls them thieves. And notice what he says they do. Kill and destroy. That's intense. I don't think you can be much stronger with your words, can you? Kill and destroy. The reason Jesus is so strong about this is because they are so different and they're so against the abundant life, the life that he has for you. Jesus says, I came so that they may have life and have it abundantly. That's what we all want, right? So the language is harsh because of the severe contrast. And Jesus is speaking out against something that I personally have seen pretty much my whole life. Even growing up in the church, I've seen this over and over again. There are churches that major on the minors. They play the role of the Holy Spirit and they tell you what you can and cannot do. Church leaders that twist God's word and instead of preaching the truth and applying the truth to your life, they take the text out of context. They do, do this by what is called eisegesis. They read into it what they want to say, and they find a verse to rubber stamp their agenda. We don't do that here. We, we preach exegetically. We draw out the truth. So whatever the main point that Jesus is saying is going to be the main point that I'm going to communicate to you. I'm not going to say what I want to say. It's very important that you, that you stay in a church and you find churches and influencers that that follow that pattern. Jesus is saying that these false teachers who are masquerading as spiritual leaders kill and destroy. They take your life from you. It's a serious, serious problem. And for everyone who has been in one of these situations in life, First of all, I'm sorry. A lot of us have had to work through, through that, and sometimes there's, there's scars and there's pain that has long-lasting effects. But if you've been in a spiritually repressive church culture, you know what this is talking about, right? 
This doesn't, again, it doesn't have to just be a pastor. Many times it is, but it can be, it can even be a parental figure. It can be, it can be a, a teacher. It could be a friend that's really smart, that knows a lot about the Bible, almost, almost too much for their own good. But you get the idea. They have an agenda, and they probably have truth, of course. They have some truth, but there's error mixed in with it. And their spirit and their tone and their direction and their attitude and their goal is all wrong. That's where, you're, that's where, you're, that's where you need spiritual discernment. So if you're like me right now, you're wondering, okay, David, sounds good. I want to avoid these people, but how can I tell the difference? Is that a question you have? Because when I was reading this text, I mean, that's what I, I was like, okay. What can we do about it? The warning is clear. The threat is out there. How do we know if this person is a false Pharisee, legalistic figure, or if this person is actually helping me see Jesus? What does the text say? Does the text give us any clues in John 10? Do you remember what Jesus said in verse 3? Jesus said, my sheep know me and they hear my voice. The only way you can drown out all that noise of all these spiritual people who sound really smart and good, the only way you can know the true Jesus is by being saved, listening to the Holy Spirit, and listening to the voice of Jesus. That's where it's at. That's what you have to do. Notice it doesn't say to go with your gut or what feels good. It doesn't say go with your heart or your feelings. It doesn't say you can discern truth and error from having the right education. Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. They listen, and you have to listen to the voice of the good shepherd. That's the only way you can break through the restrictive traditions. The only way you can get out of the repressive spiritual abuse is to listen to one voice and put that voice above all the others. Look again at Jesus' words in verses 9 and 10. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So we've seen the warning. We've seen the invitation. And here's the promise. It's point three. Revel in the promise of freedom. Revel in this promise of freedom. I really think that verse 9 contains one of the most underrated promises that Jesus gives us in all of Scripture. I, I don't think this is taught very consistently in the church, and I can tell you why in a minute. But if you've been at church at all, you've probably heard the analogy of there's one way to Jesus, right? The straight and narrow way. How many of you have heard that one? A, a fair amount, right? Yeah, we all have. It's because Jesus use that analogy. You know, there, there is, there's this broad, wide road that most people are on, and there's a straight and narrow path that leads to God. It's by faith in Jesus Christ. But not a lot of people 
are on that path. Okay, it's just straight and narrow. But there's many people, even into the church, you find Jesus, you follow that one way and only way to heaven, and then you, in your mind, you, you, you just keep thinking, all right, I just got to keep going. Just keep on trucking. I, I entered this straight and narrow, and I'm going to keep on the straight and narrow, right? We have songs about this. Stay on the straight and narrow way all the way to the end of heaven, right? You, you know what I'm talking about? It's not exactly what Jesus is teaching here. Can, both the, can the pasture and the straight and narrow road both be correct? I was actually, I remember I was talking about this before we ever launched the church. This is like two months before we launched the church. We were having what we called a core gathering at the time. And I was, I was talking about the three things that we want for our people. And it's, this is still the DNA of the church, right? We want you all to worship Christ, to walk with Christ, and to work through Christ. That's, that's pretty simple. Three, three things that we're trying to, to allow all of you to grow in. And I was actually talking about the, the walk with Christ component of our church's DNA. And this is when we were like, you know, 20 people way in the Upward Star Center, like in the tiny little room. And we were just, I was teaching through this. And I was using John 10 to explain this concept of the pasture. And I was going on and on about like the freedom we have in Christ and how it's not a straight and narrow path. Once you, once you are saved, now you have freedom in the spirit to be yourself and, um, you know, just in my mind, I'm waxing eloquent about that. And then like three days later, one of the people in our core group, she came up to me and she said, hey, David, I, I, I love where this church is going. You know, she has never even heard a sermon yet, uh, or like a true sermon. She's, our church hadn't even started yet. But she's like, I love where this is going. I love the people. But, but what is a pasture? I don't even know what a pasture is. And I realized, oh, wow. Should have explained that a little bit better. We don't, we don't live in a gregarian society anymore, right? As all this is saying is, there is a wide open field. There is a, this is the picture that Jesus is giving you of your life with him. There is a wide open grassy field. You got some animals grazing. There's peace. There's tranquility. That's what Jesus is offering you. That's what he's promising you. So there's no longer this, like, I got to do this. I got to perform. I got to keep up with them. I got to make sure I don't say the wrong thing to this person so they get offended. Doesn't that sound like a lot of people's religion? Oh, say the right thing. Be the right person. Wear the right outfit. Cross your, uh, cross your T's and dot your I's. That's the way a lot of people have experienced the church. That's not what Jesus says here. Now, of course, both these things work together. There is a narrow road to Jesus. He's the door. You enter that door, and now you can come in and out, and you can have pasture. You, and, and this isn't just a New Testament concept. You, this goes all the way back to the Old Testament. Does anyone remember Psalm 23, right? He leads me beside the still waters. There's that whole green pastures component all the way in Psalm 23, so I don't want you to misunderstand what Jesus is promising you. And I know some of you are probably thinking right now, <laughs> wow, David, my life doesn't sound like a green pasture of sunny, sunshine acres. 
That's not really my life right now. Where I could use some of that. <laughs> okay, let's go back to again. Remember understanding parables. This doesn't mean this doesn't mean something that the Bible doesn't teach the rest of the time. It doesn't mean that once you find Christ, all your problems vanish away, and now it's just you know get that sun and and frolic in tranquility. Like that's not the Christian life either, because the rest of the Scripture makes that very clear. What this is actually teaching is, the, going back to what's the main point of the whole parable, the lesson that Jesus is teaching us. I don't want you to be spiritually repressed and weighed down by other people's burdens. In Jesus Christ, the door, it opens up to freedom to be who God has gifted you to be. There's, it, it's a very wide open and diverse sheepfold, okay? It's really big. You can't really even see the fence. It's just this wide open pasture. And there's a lot of different people in there with different cultures and different ideas. But we are all one in Christ with the same good shepherd. So do you have to follow truth? Yes. You listen to the voice of the good shepherd but you have a pasture and you're not restricted to uniformly conforming to what that person wants you to be. Listen to Jesus. Matthew 7.13 uh, is, is the passage that a lot of people get confused on. We, we focus on this one so much that we miss the pasture illustration. But it says, The gate is wide and easy that leads to destruction, and those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. That does not have to contradict what Jesus is teaching right here, the freedom in Christ that he has for you. And I love this promise. Revel in the promise of freedom. I've already alluded to this, but what about all of us who just right now, you don't feel this way at all? Life can be very hard. You've probably noticed Julie isn't here today. Uh, we've had one of those weeks. You know, Monroe's had a fever like all week. Julie's had a fever all week. The, me and the boys have been totally fine. You know, I feel bad for them, but they've been struggling. Life is like that. When you have a sick child and you're in and out of the hospital, when you have, when you have job problems, when you have school stress, when you have family issues, Life can easily be draining. Then you have the curse of sin that you throw into the, the whole equation where things are not the way they're supposed to be and life isn't fair and sometimes things don't make sense. They just don't add up. Wow, I could use that sunny, sunny pasture right now, right? Listen to the voice of Jesus. We have a hard life. There, there is something that is called spiritual warfare. And I'm connected with a lot of you. I know a, a, a lot of the, the trials and the burdens that many of you are facing right now. People get mental setbacks. We can get exhausted. We can't always be on. We fail. But listen to what Jesus' message here is. Even in the midst of all of that, he loves you. He is the good shepherd. He is there to protect you and to deliver you. And you have hope in him. 
Jesus is teaching, yes, I am the only door to life. We're talking about the abundant life right now that will, that will also expand into eternal life in heaven. Of course, life is still going to be hard. This does not contradict your last six days of, of, of living in the real world. But this offers a warning, it offers an invitation, and it offers a promise. When you enter through the correct door and you enter into a relationship with Jesus, you aren't stuck in this rigid grid anymore. You have peace and you have freedom in Jesus Christ. So for me, as I, as I was applying this passage of scripture, as I was preparing, the pressure to perform and the burden of pleasing people I'm leaving that at the gate and I'm entering into the pasture where I don't have that hanging over my shoulders anymore. Maybe for you, it's the pressure of fixing every single problem. It's, you can't fix all the problems. Remember, you're a sheep that's in the pasture now and you have a good shepherd who knows way more, who is way stronger than you. There's hope. A life that rests in the peace that surpasses understanding is the, is the abundant life that Jesus has meant for you. You have a joy that is not dependent on your circumstances. It's an eternal hope in Jesus Christ, a hope that is out of this world. So listen to the voice of Jesus. You can stand up with me. There are voices out there that can help you hear Jesus. Of course there are. But there are also voices that can stifle your ability to listen to the voice of Jesus because they get in the way. Jesus is the only door to true life. He's offering you an exclusive invitation to life. Let's sing to him. Let's listen to what he has to say. And maybe there's a burden, maybe there's a trial, there's an expectation you've put on yourself that you need to let go of. Truly find the pasture that Jesus has for you. And let's praise him for that. Let's quote together Romans 8. Romans 8, 31 through 32. What shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all? You are loved.